Before we jump into today's episode, we want to talk to you about Internet Church. Rich, what is Internet Church? Oh, it's only the best internet gathering this side of the Kailua River. Is the Kailua River a thing? Maybe we should start over. <laughs> let's let's do it again. Ask me again. <laughs> no, let's leave it in. Now no, no, let's talk about Internet Church. Uh, internet Church. Actually, it's a thing we do every other Friday night where we all gather together, uh, encourage the saints in truth. It's uplifting. It's edifying. It's just a time to gather for about an hour on a Friday night or day, depending what part of the world you're in, just to be encouraged by the saints. You you think you would like something like that? Is the Pope Catholic? Uh, you bet your sweet bippy the Pope is Catholic. And uh, Justin, Internet Church is all about gospel freedom. It's good. I'm trying to think of the follow-up question. <laughs> oh, I'm like, man, this thing is lagging. Uh, all right. If No. Absolutely love it. So if you were going to... No. What are we going for? Are we trying to be funny or are we trying to be serious? I don't know. I I mean, whatever. I, we're trying to let people know that... Oh, <laughs> I'm not as gifted as you are in this department, my friend. So join us every other Friday night, 8 o'clock Central, 6 o'clock Pacific, 9 o'clock Eastern. If you are international and want to add that to your calendar so you don't have to do all the time conversions, head on over to lovereality.org slash circles and add the Internet Church Circle to your calendar. That seems like a really like terrible picture of God. But if we go back to the original text in Exodus, it does say things multiple times that God f- hardens Pharaoh's heart. But, but what does that look like? What is the process in which God hardens his heart? Because I don't think it's the way that we've commonly interpreted, at least not on the face of it all. Welcome back to The Mood, where we are vibing with the book, 10 minutes at a time. The next 10 minutes, we're going through Romans chapter 9, verses 13 to 18. But before we begin, the question is, have you read it? And if you haven't, go check it out right about now. Yes, go read it. All right, as usual, 10 minutes, going to be on the clock, starting in 3, 2, 1, let's go. So, um, this passage brings up a number of different questions for, for most of us. But yes. that first verse that it talks about, it's a doozy. And we've been preparing for this one quite some time because there's, there's a lot there. I think the phrase that you said, a lot of ink has been spilled on this one verse. So let's check it out. Romans chapter 9, verses 13. As it is written, Jacob I loved, but Esau I hated. Yes, man. There's so much here, and I'm just going to straight up admit we're not going to cover even begin to cover it in 10 minutes. We're just going to toss out some ideas and keep vibing. Yeah. Paul is actually quoting Malachi here, Mm -hmm. and Paul is quoting Malachi as a retrospective of Jacob as the nation of Israel and Esau as Edom. So not so much Jacob and Esau in particular, but more so the, the, the lineage of each of those tribes. Well, yes. And yes, so it's both, right? It's this idea that the promise that he spoke from the beginning between Jacob and Esau has actually manifested, which then brings a whole lot of questions of, did it happen because he saw it or did he see it because it happened? 
And were they free to make the decision Uh or were they destined to be the ones that he hated and loved? If I could rephrase that question, did it happen because he saw it in advance and Mm -hmm. he just happens to know all things? Mm -hmm. Or did it happen because he saw it in the sense that he wrote it down, therefore it would happen Mm -hmm. like a director with a script? Mm -hmm. Uh, There's this uh, camp between Arminianism and Calvinism, Mm -hmm. this debate on predestination, which maybe we won't we won't go quite to the depths of it all. We won't even we won't even wade in the water because (laughs) we might mess with a drop because of the time limitations. But this is the challenge of, well, what about the will of Esau in the Edomites? What Mm -hmm. about the will of Jacob and the Israelites? Do they have free will or are they determined to behave a certain way because God saw it? And these are all great theological questions that deserve some time. And yet, in my study and in my estimation of things, the argument that Paul is making is one that God in his acts in history is way more gracious and merciful than any of us deserve, whether it be Jacob or Esau. So it's an interesting question to ask about predestination, but to dive deep in that question perhaps misses the intent of the passage because the intent isn't, well, how is a person saved? The point is, is that that a person can be saved. I like the way that John Sott points it out. It says, the wonder is not that some are saved and others are not, but that anyone is saved at all. Yes, yes. And anyone is saved at all precisely because God is first and foremost gracious and merciful. And that's the point of the passage. And that's the point of the passage. Okay. Yes. So that Paul is making this argument that, hey, verse 14, what shall we say then? Is there injustice on God's part? By no means. Why? Because even both Jacob and Esau have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And that a nation like Edom actually receives a judgment doesn't mean that God is being unfair to them. No, in fact, it means that God is being fair Fair to them. them. Yes. And Jacob, who receives an abundance of grace, an oversurpassing measure of grace, now in Romans 9, Paul is saying, hey, the Gentiles are now included in because you, Jacob, have fallen short, right? Israel, which is Jacob, can't then say, oh, this is unfair that the Gentiles are coming in. Paul's saying, wait, 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 hold on, hold on. He was fair to Edom when he judged them, gave you more grace. He was fair to you Mm. now that he's judging you. And trust me, he will also be fair to the Gentiles. And this is the argument that he's going to make as we continue, and particularly 9, 10, and 11, Mm -hmm. where he then turns the finger to the Gentiles and is like, hey, if he was willing to judge Edom and Jacob, which he loved, don't you think he won't be unwilling to judge you as well? But we're getting ahead of ourselves. Yeah. There's a, an interesting pairing between the story of Jacob and Esau and then the story of Pharaoh. The thing that connects those two stories is verse 16, that it doesn't depend on human will or exertion, but instead it depends on God who has mercy. Yeah. Yeah. And so that God had mercy. He, he had mercy on Esau. Mm-hmm. He had mercy on Pharaoh. Mm-hmm. Right. I mean, the plagues are acts of mercy he doesn't just come boom but we don't look at it like that no we we jump forward in the text where it says that he hardens pharaoh's heart and we think well that sounds very unfair Mm -hmm. why would god 
harden Pharaoh's heart actively and then come to Pharaoh. And then when Pharaoh resists God, God's like, now you suffer. Mm -hmm. That seems like a really like terrible picture of God. But Mm -hmm. if we go back to the original text in Exodus, it does say things multiple times that God hardens Pharaoh's heart. But, but what does that look like? What is the process in which God hardens his heart? Because I don't think it's the way that we've commonly interpreted, at least not on the face of it all. No. And particularly with Pharaoh, I mean, there's passages where Pharaoh himself hardened his own heart. Mm-hmm. Exodus eight eleven, mm-hmm. Exodus eight twenty eight. that the text states that he hardened his own heart before it says that God hardened his heart. And I'm reading from a dissertation from a great scholar by the name of John Peckham. Shout out to Dr. John Peckham. And he says, thus God gave Pharaoh over to his own desires, mm. which is an echo back to Romans chapter exactly. two. So that the hardening of the heart is God giving Pharaoh over to his own desire that he stated back in Exodus 8:11 and Exodus 8:28. So when God hardens a heart, it's less like he's pushing a button and now your heart gets harder mm-hmm. then he comes and punishes you because mm-hmm. he pushed the button. Mm-hmm. Instead, it's God recognizing that he's attempting to reach Jonathan's heart, mm-hmm. but Jonathan consistently is doubling down saying, "No, no, no. Mm-hmm. I'm going to do what I want to do." This is what we see in the progression of the plagues. It's interesting that it doesn't all happen in one instant, yeah, yeah. but there's plague number 1 mm-hmm. and Pharaoh kind of repents Mm-hmm. but then doubles back down mm-hmm. play number two and back and forth yeah. back and forth and don't we see this in our own lives oh yes i know in the obstinacy is that a word obstinance it is now oh yeah obstinance is obstinance a word. in the obstinance of my mind and in my life i would like to say that it's localized or it was just when i was a child but even as a grown person it probably was this morning right there was when you get told to do something <laughs> yes right or you get presented some truth and you double down like no 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 i'm good i'm good Right. Mm-hmm. Even though the truth being presented to you is by nature truth. Yeah. Because of your pride. The you're truth like, being presented nah. to you is also not only just truth, but it is mercy. The it fact is mercy. that you get to be exposed to truth is a mercy. Right. But what happens that the more and more I'm presented the thing, the harder and harder my heart gets mm-hmm. every time it's presented because I resent the fact that somebody is telling me something I ought to do. And I don't want to be seen as somebody who doesn't know what to do. So even though the truth is presented, it's a hardening of my heart mm-hmm. because every time it's presented, it's hitting at my pride. And I say, no. So time and time and time again, Pharaoh's given the opportunity to repent. Mm-hmm. Uh, we would believe that that's a, uh, an opportunity for him to exercise his free will yes. for or against. Yes. But the conclusion of each of those plagues is that Pharaoh chooses to resist what God is doing. I wonder how the story would have ended, and we don't know this. What would it look like if I was like, all right, y'all can go? Yeah, yeah. Well, this is, that's a beautiful question because then we just need to turn that question back around on us. Mm. Our story's not over. Yeah. And what Paul is saying, even in that moment, is that, hey, for you, your story's not over. Look back and see what happened to Edom. Yeah. Look back and see what happened to those who didn't receive. But God is being merciful to you. So don't say, oh, is God being just or he's unjust because he requires this? No, 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 no. <laughs> he's extending, extending this extravagant mercy. And oh, the greatness of his extravagance by extending it through the death of his son. And not only is that mercy extended to you, who you presently have the opportunity to make the decision now about yeah. what you will do with this information, with this revelation of yeah. truth. But as we'll see in the, in the chapters to come, he's saying, this is also the opportunity that you're supposed to give mm, to the Gentiles. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, so then, verse 18, he has mercy on whomever he wills, and he hardens whomever he wills. By 
extending the mercy by extending, by extending the, the truth mercy, to people. Extending the way the that it was explained to me is that God is like the sun mm. and our hearts are either like butter or clay. Mm. And we get to choose which one it is. Mm. God reveals truth to us. The sun beats down. And one kind of property of mm. clay is that it hardens mm-hmm. when it's exposed to the sun. Mm-hmm. Butter melts. Mm-hmm. And so when God speaks to you and I in the secret place of our mind in our heart, when we mm-hmm. receive conviction throughout our day or whether it's at the pulpit or in the marketplace, we get the choice to say, mm-hmm. okay, how do I want my heart to respond to mm-hmm. God? Am I going to harden my heart in light of the truth that's facing me? Mm. Or do I choose to allow that truth to melt my heart and allow mm. it to transform me from the inside out? What's interesting is that this analogy of clay is that not the analogy that Paul the exact. actually use. And I like the butter analogy, but in the clay analogy, what's the difference between soft clay and hard clay? It's got water. Water. And if you're hearing what we're putting down, that means something. That means something. Yep. That's it. There you go. Ten minutes. Oh, we man. finished on time. Man, and I feel good about it. That I feel good. good about it. It was good. There was a little bit of anxiety on this episode. But we hope you guys enjoy. Uh, we'll see you guys tomorrow in our next episode.